Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Voices Behind the Game. I'm Jeremy Roberts, and along with my dad, the inside voice of the Utah Jazz, longtime PA announcer Dan Roberts, we are thrilled to welcome you back to the relaunch of our podcast. And so for this relaunch, I thought it would be great to reintroduce you to the the man, the guy who drives this podcast, Dan Roberts. He's been the voice of the Utah Jazz for 41 years. He has announced all kinds of different sporting events, including the 1979 NCAA championship game between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, Michigan State versus Indiana State. And he even did the Utah Stars and was the first man to announce Moses Malone, which didn't make it into our podcast, but I wanted to mention it because Moses Malone came to the Utah Stars as the million-dollar baby straight out of high school. And there are lots more stories and anecdotes, and I wanted to give you a chance to uh, get to know Dan Roberts as we are excited to relaunch this podcast and bring you stories that are from behind the scenes and things that you typically wouldn't get to hear. So sit back, relax, uh, turn up the volume, and enjoy a great interview uh, with Dan Roberts. And we're back. We're here. We're, we're doing Voices Behind the Game. Jeremy Roberts. It's been a couple of days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it has. The relaunch of our podcast. And... Uh, <laughs> So welcome back to Voices uh, Behind the Game. I'm Jeremy Roberts, and today I'm interviewing my dad, Dan Roberts. Say hello, Dan. The, uh, hello, Dan, the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. That's uh, absolutely just a humbling experience that you're interviewing me, young fella. I love you dearly. <laughs> I love you too. And I thought it would be fun for our uh, our first episode back just for me to interview you. Because I always ask you a ton of questions all the time. Some you uh, know, some uh, you don't care to remember. Uh, that ranges from everything from uh, what did your hair look like in the 79 NCAA finals? <laughs> How long was your beard? To uh, who's saying uh, do run run uh, from the 50s? In the uh, NCAA finals with Bird Magic, I looked like a hair ball. You could you could see my eyes and glasses and my nose, but the beard was completely full, and the hair was permed. So I had a uh, a lot of little tiny curls in there that uh, made me look very very strange. They had a shot of me at the end, and I think they kept it for posterity. I don't know why, but they did, and uh, it was it, it was just really bizarre, <laughs> really. Nothing but a hairball, basically, is what I look like. Well, Pretty I, weird. We, we used to refer to it as your white afro. Would that be uh, fair to call yeah. it that? Okay. Yes, precisely. <laughs> it was my attempt at an afro, yes. And uh, it, all it did, basically, was with the uh, the uh, perm stuff they used in my head, it burned my forehead, caused uh, small burns and stuff, which uh, <laughs> I got used to not wanting anymore. So that was the end of that. It made you. Uh, it made you very recognizable at the Bongo Lounge. Yeah, right. Right. True that. Yes. You bet. 
This was uh, this was a little bit after uh, Saturday Night Fever, right? I guess seventy nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to give some people so to give our listeners a scope of your career. That was uh, what year was was that? It was nineteen seventy nine. Nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, that was uh, the um, uh, final four, nineteen seventy nine at the U, and uh, that. Uh, was uh, an amazing game, and uh, I'm immortalized in film on that, and uh, that's been a very unique thing to claim to my uh, background and my uh, resume, if you will. Well, I, and, and I, I, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the, the ESPN, while we're in the in, and we'll talk about this, the uh, the fun we've had with uh, the coronavirus, uh, COVID, we call it the vid here at the home, um, <laughs> the vid, yeah. <laughs> We wonder if people got the vid. Um, it's only dealing with uh, this with humor is the only way we get uh, through the day. Uh, oh no, I get that. Yeah. Totally, I so, totally get that. So uh, ESPN did a uh, since there's no sports of any kind, and uh, ESPN did a 64 player bracket of the best college basketball players of all time. Oh really? Yeah, and the final two. I haven't seen what the results were, but the final two were Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. And, oh really? Yeah, wow. and so that that final four game was Michigan State versus Michigan State, with uh, which was Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. Yeah, and uh, Indiana State, Indiana, State. In, yeah, Indiana State versus Michigan State, and just it, it, what an incredible college basketball player Larry Bird was. Just in, in oh, just, it was amazing, and it, 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 he he just was coming up. I mean, uh, he hadn't even come close to full potential, and he was still one of the best shooters that I've uh, seen in quite some time. Magic still had his stuff going on because he liked to drive, and, uh, you know, he was he was just turning into the Magic Johnson that uh, the Lakers came to know and love, and, and, and then he faded, obviously, for health reasons. But right. the end result of the way he played was um, – I think he was MVP, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, yeah, and and it's Greg Kelser, who is uh, does the uh, color voice for uh, Detroit the Pistons, uh, was with him, and they were very close friends back then. And uh, and uh, Greg is always says hello to me when he comes in for obvious reasons because I reminded him who I was about ten years ago, and he went, "Oh, really?" You know, it was <laughs> it was it was pretty amazing. And no, and nobody knew, you know, nobody knew. I mean, sure. And for obvious reasons, as I just described, my uh, hairball look, the uh, looking at me now with a uh, little gray hair and a couple of years down the road, God, I don't remember looking at you ever, you know. that. Well, they couldn't stuff. see you beyond the hair. No, that's exactly right. There's no question of that. It was like wearing a, um, a mask, basically. <laughs> I wanted to know, too. <laughs> so Larry Bird taking Indiana State to the NCAA championship. That's like one person going to UC Santa Barbara and taking them to the final four. Yeah. I, mean, it, I get that. Yeah. It, totally. it, that's how good Larry bird was. Yeah. He was. Um, and I, and I don't mean to get into, um, racial connotations, but he was the best white basketball player I've ever seen. Well, no, he talks about that. Well, I mean, he, yeah. The, and, and he's, I've, I've watched some documentaries, how, he would look to go play with uh, in in games in in pickup games 
with a lot with players that were better than him and in a lot of African American players were running these games and they they would see this this white guy come into the gym and think oh we're you know we're going to dominate him ML Carr talked about that um ML Carr right. when Bird was oh, a rookie yeah, yeah. talked about yeah. how he the first practice he, you know I'm going to I'm going to ruin this white guy and by within 15 minutes he was this is one of the best basketball players I've ever seen because yeah, Bird dominated him and just toyed with him. And, you know, I think people of this generation don't really understand how good Bird was, especially because no, his totally career agree. was cut short. I totally agree with that. He had more skills with shooting and knowledge of the game and where to be and how to, and, you know, he, he, he taught himself how to be as good as he was, in my opinion. He has a big full court, I guess, uh, when uh, he got to the Celtics and he got uh, used to, he'd he'd spend hours out there just, uh, you know, positioning and shooting and stuff like that. I remember a story that uh, uh, he was like fourth or fifth year down the road in his career. And uh, they were coming out for an afternoon practice and nobody wanted to have a practice. And so they looked at Larry and said, if you could drop a couple from the uh, center line on the court, we're done. He swished three of them, according to the story that I've heard. <laughs> and they all walked off and, and patted him on the back. And said, he probably wow. stayed on the court and practiced some more. I mean, I, well, no, yeah. I would not. That, no, I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. But he took it on. And that, that was a great story. I can't even remember who told it. That, that it could have been Bill Russell for all I know. I can't remember for sure, but it was pretty cool. So that was, uh, that's a great story. So uh, for our listeners, so. Uh, and again, at the beginning, my name is Jeremy Roberts. Um, I'm quote unquote interviewing my dad, Dan Roberts, who is the inside voice of the Utah Jazz. And what you're hearing is how we talk all the time. We talk several times a week. He's been the inside voice for the Utah Jazz for 41 years. And I started announcing when I was uh, just about 19. I've been doing this. I'm, I turned 49 later in the year. And trying to follow in my father's footsteps to some degree, I fill in for him when he can't make it, which has been, I think, 10 times in 41 years, which is insanely amazing. (laughs) And so, you know, but we have a very tight, close relationship. We're similar announcers, but different. And I thought it would be fun for me to kind of, for us to shed light onto why we're doing this podcast and also uh, interview and talk to you because you've got such a wide breadth, uh, breadth of experience, dad. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult to really put it into a picture of how much you've seen over the years. And so, yeah, I get that, you know, and I, I appreciate you saying that, but because there are so many things that I don't remember that people are occasionally remembering. And that just blows my mind. Because, I mean, I, I, I variably, two or three times a year, I would get, why don't you write a book? And uh, I said, well, I'd have to get hypnotized so I could go back <laughs> as far as I've been doing this, that I could pull stuff off the shelf and remember it. I mean, because I've seen so much and I've been around it so long. So it's uh, it's really quite amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm not bouncing around, forgive me for doing that, but I remember when I worked for the Stars, Utah Stars, the ABA team we had here. We played a, a practice game with uh, uh, the San Diego Conquistadors, coached by Wilt Chamberlain, 
back then. Mm. We went to St. George for a practice game and played in a high school that doesn't exist anymore because they tore it down. St. George is a small town in southern Utah. Uh, It's on I-15, about an hour and a half north of Las Vegas. At that time, population maybe 5,000. It's uh, 100,000 people now. It's a vibrant community, but then was uh, maybe 5,000 people. Yeah, I get it. And that's that. And that for Will Chamberlain to drive all the way up from Vegas just to play a game in front of a, 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 a sort of a, you know, Southern Utah crowd who, you know, had heard about his name and all of a sudden <clears throat> they were late. Their, their plane was late getting into Vegas. And so they were, you know, slow getting up from the drive. They drove up from, uh, from Las Vegas and suddenly Somebody said they're here, and uh, he walked in first <laughs> with the longest pair of Levi's and a leather coat and sandals that I, you know, it's just unbelievable. I mean, like water he had an, yeah, <laughs> he had an aura about him that these people could not put together in their minds. They had no clue what they were watching. They had no clue that they were looking at a living legend who was coaching an idiotic absolute terrible basketball team in the San Diego called the Conquistadors. But he, you know, he stayed in basketball, blah, blah, blah. And that, that was, uh, I mean, I sat there in awe. My mouth dropped open, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And just, you know, watching him walk by, I mean, here he, I mean, there he is. And he's in St. George of all places. Of all places. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and so put that in the perspective, I mean, you have seen and been around everybody from Wilt Chamberlain to, uh, uh, well, almost Zion Williamson, but, uh, you know, everybody from Wilt Chamberlain to Donovan Mitchell and yeah. in, and everyone in between. And, and there are so few people in, in sports and broadcasting and anything that can say that. And it really is, it's incredible to me. It's something that, I use it as an icebreaker all the time in my profession, in what I do, uh, just because I'm a huge sports fan. I'm not only really proud of you and and always love, you know, I can't imagine going to a jazz game without hearing you. And I've heard that from thousands of fans that have said the same thing. But just to, you know, have these conversations and pick your brain on what you've seen and experienced throughout the years, it's fun to to try to dig that out of you. Like you said, I, I, I don't care if you write a book, but you know, <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless that goes into like, whatever, you know, whatever uh, there is for Amy and me in about like 30 years, you know? So yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah, I, that. I figured you'd, you'd want some royalties. Out yes. Of it, so I'll uh, take, I'll take a couple of royalties just for having that my, makes, my name in there. That totally makes sense. I get that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that, I mean, uh, again, you're, you're making my mind bounce around just a little bit. I, uh, well, that's that's the point of a that's a point of a good interviewer, by the way. Just make your mind. Oh yeah. Right. Well, I get that. <laughs> I get. Uh, Mom and I went to the ABA All Star Game in Salt Lake City that I announced, and uh, they had a party before uh, the day before the game. That uh, <laughs> of all people, Bill Cosby shows up when he was uh, <laughs> just starting to, you know, turn into a jerk. Basically, I'm not sure, but then sure. nonetheless, he was. He, he wasn't known as a he wasn't man. known as a jerk at all then. No, no, not then, not at all. Uh, he was well respected and uh, quite a few African American players. But we sat with Julius Irving. Mom and I had dinner with Julius Irving, who was in his second year, 
in the ABA and one of the best basketball players next to Bird that I've ever seen. So it was uh, that was a that was an amazing experience that uh, I had a chance to meet him in our, when we had our All Star game here in the early nineties. And he said he vaguely remembered <laughs> having dinner with him. Which I thought, you know, if he's, if he's giving me crap, I'm sure. But nonetheless, it was still kind of fun to, to have him acknowledge that so it was amusing. That's, and, and I just pieced this together. So you did the ABA All-Star Game, which, yeah. you know, I think, again, modern fans have really not been able to see <laughs> what, how incredible the talent was in the ABA. And it doesn't get talked oh. about a lot. that The ABA was more watched and more exciting. That's where the three point line was invented was yeah, in, in the, in, white and blue. it's and what white, white it, blue ball. the way that golden state plays is real, was really invented in the ABA. No, I get that. Totally. You know, that I wide open, that yeah, the yeah. wide open style, free flowing style of basketball in, you know, Dr. J Moses Malone, Danny Issel, um, all these incredible players played in the ABA instead of the NBA. In- Artist Gilmore came out, and uh, when he was introduced as a member of the Eastern team, he had the longest fur coat on. It was a jet black <laughs> fur coat that I have ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I was amazed. He was that Shaft. Coat. Yeah, he was. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> had the music going and everything, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was amazing. Plus, I think. He came out with almost um, a, a tuxedo type hat. Yeah, it, it wasn't a top hat, but it was a it was a type of hat you'd wear to an opera or something of that nature. It was, uh, I mean, it was it was stunning the way he was dressed up. I thought it was pretty cool. So, when you what was the first year of the Jazz? Was it 70? first year? It was seventy nine. So, did you? So you announced the finals, the NCAA finals, and then that fall was the first yeah, season for the was, Jazz. That, that was the first season for the Jazz, right? Okay, exactly. So in that in that first year, you, you amazingly remember the about the attendance and the the, oh, the opening game, <laughs> right? The opening game. So the opening game was against who? Milwaukee uh, Bucks. They beat the crap out of us. We had seven eight hundred people just shy of and. Uh, the Osmond sang the national anthem, but that's pretty much what I remember. <laughs> Probably most of those people came to see the Osmonds and were curious. There was to, maybe yeah. six, seven thousand people in the in the old Saul Palace, the, the bass drum building when it was there, which held uh, twelve twelve six. It was about like twelve six yeah, fifty right. or something like that, right? Exactly. It was yeah, precisely. And uh, you know that's 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 what Frank was coaching basically or getting involved. And uh, well, Nasaki was a coach then, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was a coach. You're right. You're right. I forgot about that. And, uh, but Frank would, uh, Frank hey, Layden listen, you want yeah, to, talking about Frank Layden. Yeah. Frank would, uh, uh say, listen, uh, you want to have a game? Come on. Let me know when you come down. We'll start up when you can get here. So maybe <laughs> you can talk about getting people to show up and it was pretty cool. I remember hey. being able to sit next to you when I would go to the games, like I would come down at halftime and, uh, and actually sit by you, uh, which you could never do today oh no you know no, but they, I, I mean it was they, just so different it was a it was a, a nice warm family uh feel and the way we were situated seating wise the press was right behind us with three or four rows there was a space for traffic uh, people walking back and forth to their seats and they're you know getting uh, right. goodies and stuff and, and then there was john Sudbury sitting right there <laughs> in the second first second row 
giving me crap and throwing me, just dropping, you know, funny bombs all the time. That was, uh, it, it was just a nice, fun, easy to be around situation. And, you know, that's how I honed my skills basically. Cause, uh, I had to learn how to do stuff and quit doing stuff that was stupid and, and doing stuff that was uh, meaningful. And then, you know, you get to a point now where I just do it and everything is controlled and blah, blah, blah. So, so uh, do you, do you, was there a point that you remember where you thought my skills need to go from, from A to B or B to C? Was there that point that you can recall? And I've actually never heard you talk about that as far as honing your skills. Well, at the beginning I mean, of your I made career. stuff up. I made stuff up when I, when I first started, I mean, it was really weird. Um, Vince Barilla was the uh, president of the, of the team. It was a, just a great guy. He, you know, he, you know, he used to sit up high on my upper high upper left and stare down at me. And I, you know, with Harvey Kirkpatrick, if you remember him, yep, I do. Used to tell me that uh, be careful. Vince is listening to every word you say, and which of course was absolute crap. He could care less, but <laughs> he, uh, he, he, you know, he threw down a couple of suggestions every now and then. But I. You know, I was doing stupid stuff. I mean, I we used to, um, I used to keep running scores of the players for the stars, and then if they sank a shot, I'd give them their current point total. And I had a kid spotting for me that uh, was uh, his name was Matty Barilla, one of uh, Vince's sons, and it was um, very amusing that uh, that got put away pretty quick after. Uh, you know, I did about ten, twelve games with that, and it got to be stupid because sure. you know, you'd, you'd, you'd screw up a player's total and they'd come by. Booney used to come by all the time and say, no, that's, you, you don't have a right. You know, he'd tell <laughs> me I don't have that right. Yeah. Ron, Ron Boone never, uh, uh, and, and, and Ron Boone played for the ABA stars. He played for the Utah jazz. Uh, he had for a long time until AC green. And I, I this bugs me to death that, so AC green has the record for the most consecutive games played and he beat Ron Boone's record difference being is that AC green came out with a broken arm and just for the tip off, just so he could break the record where Ron Boone played all those games. So anyway, oh, that's, no, that's I didn't yeah. realize, I didn't know that. I knew he got uh, screwed out of it, but I didn't realize that he, that uh, AC green did that. He did uh, that. Yeah. Lake, and then when he got Laker for you, then exactly <laughs> for all you listeners in Laker nation. And then, uh, uh, he also, when he got, uh, voted as a, a starter, for the all-star game. That's when Carl Malone the next day had his career high 60, uh, 62 points yeah, he, against the bucks. He was pissed off. He was very pissed off. That. Yes. Very unhappy about that. So we'll and come. He, he, beat, he beat Milwaukee by himself. Yes, he did. did. Demoralize him. But we'll come to that in a sec. So when you got going, so you, uh, developed a catchphrase that, in, that even players had known about and it. And it, it became. I remember there were T-shirts about it uh, when I. When, yeah, yeah, that day. Uh, yeah. So what? What is that? That phrase and how did you come up with it? it was, was it just one it, game or just like, how did it happen? Everybody, how about this jazz when they would come out after a timeout? And the origin of that was one time I was reading a Sports Illustrated, and uh, there was an article about Georgia Tech. And they're like the dogs, and the the article was titled "How about them dogs?" Georgia, Georgia's the Bulldogs, and Georgia, Georgia yeah, yeah, Georgia. Yeah, uh, you're right. Excuse me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Georgia Tech, the engineers. Or the, no, they're, they're, they're yellow jackets. Yeah. Yellow jackets. Okay. <laughs> the engineering yellow jackets, right? <laughs> yeah, 
familiar with Southern uh, football. Um, anyway, I just said, what the hell? I just said, you know, can't, you know, how about this jazz with people? And then it just caught on and kept going and people liked it. And, uh, it generated a lot of, uh, of enthusiasm after a good play or a, a good game, a victory and stuff like that. And it kept going, but it's interesting now I, I've been around long enough that I've gone through generations and it's very difficult to get the same respect and the same response today out of that crowd because they're like second and third generations from when I first started. So it's okay. I I still do it. And you, you talked me into it because you're my guide and uh, I like making, you know, I like saying what you tell me to say. So I, uh, I've been doing that a little bit. It's not, it's not something that's, uh, as mandatory as it used to be, but there are so many people that remember it. And so it's kind of fun to bring it back. Well, you have, you've had players actually ask you about it before, haven't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Flying around far away. I mean, again, I'm sorry. I don't remember who they were. But well, I remember you, uh, you told me Steve Francis, who used to play for the Rockets came up and asked you what you said. And, oh yeah. 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 And, uh, that it, was- yeah, and I remember like at that when you said it, like he was standing somewhere and started laughing with his players. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah that, that that's true with it. And then when Toronto was brand new, they had uh, they came in one time and they were all, you know, they were all enthusiastic about my uh, response and the stuff, and they thought that was pretty cool. I remember that their whole bench was laughing at what I was <laughs> throwing that stuff out. It was kind of amusing. So it was uh, you know it was, it was fun. It was uh, it was fun to use and. Again, uh, uh, with the evolution of time and the changes of players and stuff, the idea of uh, perpetuating that, I just decided to let it slide for a little. But then today, you know, if we were playing, I'd still be using it more. But uh, that's, that's, you know, I'll bring it back if we resume play someday. So speaking of that, so let's jump to the present because instead of sitting next to me, you're on the phone right now. And so – and everybody knows there's social distancing. We're we're dealing with uh, this unprecedented uh, uh, virus, the, the coronavirus going around the world. And the Jazz were really the epicenter of that for sports. And really in America, um, when Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both tested positive, uh, this is almost three weeks ago. Yeah. And so uh, uh, in, in our home, we're distancing we're we're we haven't we, we haven't don't have a fear of being exposed but we're quarantining or just staying away so that we know that you know we're just doing our part that's why my dad and i are talking over the phone right now instead of uh, person to person but you also had a potential scare with it because you got really sick right around that same time and we kind of pieced it together that you could have actually had it um you, yeah, did, you, it, it, you didn't it, but it, talk about that well it, it it was pretty weird. I uh, the week they went back east, um, I was uh, sicker than a dog, and I had all excuse me, not all, but I had quite a few of the uh, uh, symptoms that were being discussed and kicked around and stuff. I bit that you know I didn't have a temperature, my throat was okay, um, I could breathe okay, but uh, it uh, well you it, did have a fever. Was, I remember mom talking. You had a fever. Like you were well, just I did, knocked but out. I never got over a hundred. I never got over a hundred with my uh, temperature, so it was very weird. But the flu feeling, which just drained me, my God, it was just uh, I, you know, bless my bless her heart. Your mother was uh, very very cordial and took care of me 
very nicely and tucked me in. If I, if I had diapers, she would have changed them, basically. So <laughs> I don't know about that. Cool. But... No, I know. That's true. <laughs> but it was, uh, and I got through that week. I got through that week, and uh, we did Toronto Monday. And uh, then they took off again back east, and then Oklahoma City pops up. Rudy gets busted, and that's the end of the uh, league right there. I right. Mean, so um, I had quite a few people blame me for Rudy getting <laughs> Corona. but <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't the case. The, the, the thing that concerned me was the fact that uh, we would fist bump just before tip-off. And uh, if we do that, with, and Rudy was very, you know, very nice and very cordial with that. So was Donovan. I mean, they made a point of uh, getting involved with us, and then Rudy was uh, starting to stretch a little bit just prior to tip-off, put his hands down in front of me and left his hand print in front of me <laughs> that I stepped on, too. And I thought, oh, goodness, there's, a, you know, but it, it just didn't, it, 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 I was negative. So that was, right. the, that was the end of it. It was very strange. Very, 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 very weird scenario. And it's just the the unknown. And and, and and with them, I mean, to have a player when you're sitting at the scores table, you know, they're, they're all the people at the scores table. You're right in the middle of the arena. And, but for a player to come down and do that, it's really cool. When I've filled in for you, the players would bump this. And it's almost like it's, for a lot of them, I think it's superstitious. Others, it's, oh, yeah. It's Most teamwork, sure. you know, and like he, when, uh, back in the earlier days, Thurl Bailey would shake your hand before every game. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that's, it's part of the routine you know, the, the PA announcers, it, it, it's such a familiar voice. The players know it, the fans know it, the referees know it, the coaches know it. And especially with you being there for 41 years, you're an integral part of that fan experience. I mean, you're the longest tenured announcer in the NBA. So not only do you, have you seen all these things, all these players have heard you, whether they know who you are or not, they know your voice. Yeah. And so you're a part of that routine and you know, it, these players, obviously, you know, Donovan and Rudy had no idea that they had it. They're not going around trying to, you know, despite what people said about Rudy, he's an incredibly nice guy and never, well, if he, it, it, he never had a clue. No, I, mean, I never had, had a clue. You know, right. It's it, it just interesting enough that it was, I mean, there was so much coming out on it that he just said, screw you guys. This is all, BS and I don't buy into it. So he touched the microphones and then of course he gets a uh, point in the Wednesday game before they even tipped off the ball. And, uh, you know, 58 players later, the jazz are all, uh, you know, they popped out two of them that done one Donovan and one Rudy. Right. But with, uh, with positive. And so it was uh, just a very, very strange situation. But again, I had uh, quite a few people blame me for Rudy getting it, which of course was not, uh, I don't think was totally true. I think he might've given it to me for all I know. Right. But maybe if you would have had it, right. Right. If I had <laughs> had it, I, I, I had similar, but I, I didn't get that. So it was it's just very bizarre, just very, very strange. And the hard part about most of that is the fact that I was looking so forward to seeing Zion play. <laughs> and we, right. We lost that. We lost that game. And then, for, you know, for I keep look, I keep popping up with schedule, reminders for me that uh, we're, we're supposed to play the Bulls tonight or last night. I can't remember what it was, but I, I don't know. It's just really, really weird. It, yeah. I mean, this is your routine and it has been for 41 years and you build your life around it. So, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, the, that's as you know, I remember growing up, everything revolved around your schedule and 
with the jazz schedule because that's how we would do our schedules is trying to figure out what games you had when they were um i played competitive hockey growing up i would have travel tournaments and if the jazz were playing you know sometimes i remember a couple times i had to go on my own because you had to stay home and do jazz games and and you know that was never a bad thing it was something just that it was part of our fabric because it was you know we're a sports family that way and i got it that's totally accurate you got your booties do you i and i try to explain it to people because people always ask me you know are you going to take over for your dad and i'm uh, it, it, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would say, well, maybe, I don't know, you know, we'll see what happens now. I, I, I just, it's your legacy. It's just, you, you know, you've, you've done this the same amount of, you're, you're coming into the same type of time frame as guys like, you know, Vin Scully that in different ways, obviously, but you know, that type of tenure and, but I, I've always looked at it as this is a huge part of your identity. I mean, because <laughs> You know, it, it, well, I try not to. I try not to lead with it, but but it's, it is part of my identity. I, I I used to, I used to be a little bit more swallowed up by it, and I learned to be uh, to let that go a little bit and not be quite so. Uh, you know, that's not who I am. I'm your dad, and I'm not the jazz announcer. I mean, I'm I, sure. that's what I do, but that's not who I am. So yeah, I had to learn the hard way with that one. That was uh, difficult, but the end result of. Um, doing this basically um i mean it's really strange it's funny that about a month and a half ago uh mikhail you know that who's the vp of uh of the one of a vp title she's got right from uh in marketing for the jazz marketing yeah yeah and she she said listen we've been talking we're just wondering if you have had any thoughts about how long you want to go and it caught me off guard because I figured, you know, what the heck, I'll just, uh, as long as I get my oxygen tank or uh, <laughs> wheel, wheelchair, basically, in the, in the behind the sit down, I'll keep it going. But, and it, it's, it, it made me realize that it's been a while. So I had to kind of, I haven't come to grips with that yet, but that, um, that caught me off guard. For sure. Bit. Did she say why she asked you that or was it just, well, they just, they're trying to plan. I mean, somebody's going to have to come in after me and I don't, they're not going to have a good time with it because of who they are, because based on how long I've been there. So sure. it's going to be, uh, I mean, you know, somebody's going to have to be picked, I guess, eventually. So it's just, I don't know. They, they, they the good news is I guess they're putting it in my hands as far as that goes. So that's I might, good. you know, <laughs> I might go a couple more years and that's it. <laughs> well, you should, I mean, it's, you know, it, I'd it's, like to do the next All Star Game if we can, if that's about, if that's a possibility. So, and that's a couple of years down the road, I of think. Of course. Well, you know, it's. I mean, you're seventy three, right? Yeah. And I mean, you sound incredible. Vibrant seventy three. Yes. Too, I <laughs> well, and you. It's not like your voice is, de- you know, degraded. I mean, it's. It's still to me. I and and I like to think that I have a good ear for this. It still sounds great. It's still strong it's still powerful and and such an important thing for an announcer and i you know and i'm certainly biased when i listen to other announcers in the nba but to hear them compared to you mostly it's you know they pale because they just don't have that same presence there are other announcers that have different styles that have endeared themselves to their fans like the guy in detroit um yeah you know uh uh laker guy the laker guy tanner yeah um 
you know, he, he has his style and he's got his, you know, he does a jazz show and he's, he's like this, you know, he's got the jazz suave. I mean, like, you know, jazz music no, no, takes totally. that into the Lakers and it works, you know, really well. He's the classical train station announcer or a bus station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a, the in a, Laker girl. Right. You know, or like in that, a good way, know. right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, Lawrence is, uh, is always, always going to be um, upset by virtue of the fact that I have him by two years and my tenure versus his. And so <laughs> he's, uh, Booney tells me that the, Lawrence always asks uh, Boone how much time I got left and what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. So he's looking, <laughs> he's looking forward to extending himself, I think. But <clears throat> it's a race to the grave, I suppose, <laughs> in that sort of situation. For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> in, in some kind of way, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, it, it, yep. you know, the Jazz are still most associated with Stockton and Malone. And, yep. you know, you obviously were there for the Jazz's transition from almost going bankrupt and no fans to drafting Carl Malone and John Stockton and becoming one of the, the most respected perennial powerhouse teams in the NBA. And... Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember how it felt? And did you realize at one point, hey, we've gone from 7,500 fans in the Osmonds to, you know, you know we, we could compete for a championship someday? Yeah. And uh, that happened. And I had a chance to do uh, two finals, uh, two final situations uh, in the consecutive years, 96, 97. Was that the right years? Yeah. 97? Yeah. Yeah. So as a, uh, uh, I mean, that's just another notch in my belt, basically, uh, along with the all-star game we had here in the early 90s. So the end result of being able to uh, get involved with the uh, finals is a, <clears throat> really amazing because it's a situation that is so uh, powerful. Of course, Michael Jordan playing and, and Scottie Pippen with the Bulls and stuff. So it's so powerful that it, the world knows about it. And uh, um, it, it, I just it was just an amazing experience to be involved with that and i had i had my biggest audience uh, I, I marv albert introduced me he said it's an nba record i introduced it, an announcer three games in a row that was that was when we did two three two right. in the series and uh, he introduced me three times done in a row and he said that's an nba record basically <laughs> but uh, i was told at one time that uh had a hookup that was uh, almost around the world with uh, uh, army radio, that, or military radio or something of that nature. And there was like, you know, four or 500 million people that listened potentially or something. And uh, thank the good Lord, nobody told me that before the, uh, I started <laughs> right. announcing. Right. Uh, but that was afterwards. And I almost got up and just decided to go to the bathroom for a minute, but I didn't <laughs> it work out. So, it was uh, pretty amazing, and I, I and I could be wrong in terms of the number. It could have been three hundred, but good heavens, two hundred million people listening to you and uh, and uh, waiting for the game to start and tip off, and it was just it, it, there's nothing like a, a, an NBA Finals. That was that was pretty cool. And then of course Michael broke our hearts two times in a row, two, right. you know, consecutively, and I'll never forget that as long as I live. And then uh, he and Pippen fired up cigars right in the middle of the arena after the. We should have like, turned on the water cannons at that point. That's the, yeah, I no mean, kidding. that's the competitive side of me. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah. Well, I get that. I get that. And it was, uh, it, it, I don't know. It's just the way it was. 
It's, Bill Jackson's never been one of my favorite people, but uh, I know I still think Michael's pretty close to the top I've ever seen. So yeah, I, you know you, you got to get used to that. Just feel bad about it, but we were so damn close. We yeah. were so close. I re- I remember when Stockton hit the shot in Houston. Uh, I was at a training in uh, Costa Mesa, California, and I was at a Hilton uh, hotel by the airport. And I was, you know, like, like we get a lot of times you, we can't even watch the games. We just go get, so we're so involved. It was, it was torturous. And that's the only way to explain it. <laughs> and, no, and, I get it. and so I went out and hit golf balls. I, I went out and when I got back to the hotel, I shot hoops and I went in and uh, to the lobby uh, right when the jazz started coming back. And I, I started freaking out. And then when Stockton hit the shot, I went ye- yelling through the lobby. And the first thing I, I ran, this is way before cell phones. I ran to a payphone and called you. <laughs> yeah. You I know, think I vaguely remember that. Yeah. And I was downstairs uh, exercising. I had a, I just, I was just then, and the, you know, all of a sudden I stopped and, you know, Paw Rod was his heart and, and, you know, broke his soul too for, Leading up to it and uh, getting into that, you know, inbounds is stocked in. He's up with a shot and bam, you got. It. I mean, it just—it was an amazing moment. I could hear your mom screaming up above and uh, on the upper floor, floor above me, and then down there, it just—it was just a. That was a totally surrealistic moment. That was amazing. It was, and and the point of going through <laughs> that story was just to give some insight to, you know, when you're when you're involved with a team like you are. And, you know, your family by de facto, it's just still something, you, you know, you just, you, you're still a fan and. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you live and you live and die with it. I mean, I, it was, uh, it was a situation where, I mean, there we are. In the, <laughs> at we, we had, a we'd never been there before. Jazz had never no, no. been there before. And we exactly always been the bridesmaid, never the bride, you know, yeah, and. Precisely to actually get there. And you saw the the same emotion out of Jerry Sloan, which you never see in Stockton and Malone and just, you know, to get over the hump to get there. And I mean, it, the only to, you know, cause Jordan did break our hearts with the finals. And I know he relishes in that and bulls fans relish in that. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, if you throw up a subject on Twitter, you have some people that are really cool about it. A lot of people try to make you feel like shit about it. I mean, it's just, yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> And, and part of that's the nature of sports. I mean, in modern times with social media, I think people take it too far because they're not in front of you. But in the good old spirit of, of competition, that's you, you know, you live and die by it. And yeah, totally. You know, and, and, and I think a good announcer like you are figures that out and how to, how to do that without going over the top. Yeah, precisely. That's exactly right. Because you can get to be stupid. And you sound stupid. And uh, I don't care what people are, you know, boy, I really like what he does. You know, that's bullshit as far as I'm concerned. You don't do, you don't do stupid. I mean, you can, I can stretch it a little bit, but I know the limits and I know when to stop. And so, uh, I mean, I'll rest my case on Bond, Walter Bond any day of the year. That's, <laughs> that's my best. A, a, uh, a guy from... That, that played for the Jazz for one year, a free agent or a rookie that had signed for the Jazz named Walter Bond. And uh, you said uh, when he was shooting a free throw, Bond 
Walter Bond for two. At the line. <laughs> At <Bond>. the line. <laughs> Walter Bond. So Crowd how- just, just started to go, oh, shit, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and then I, I heard the guy in Phoenix said it, too. He decided he better copy me. And he was pissed that I got it. I beat him to it. But it just popped into my head, and the good Lord gave me an opportunity for a pretty funny line that worked out. That worked out really, and you met him too. I, I did, I did. Yeah, he he does uh, uh, public speaking, and I got a chance to meet him. Super nice guy. Yeah, and he remembered. He absolutely remembered. That was we had a great laugh. Um, question I always get: uh, Do you know all the players? And my answer to him is that it's never been a focus of, of yours, and never been a focus of mine to know them all. But you certainly have had some really good relationships with some of the players over the years. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, the, the the relationship with players was made clear with, I mean, with John and Carl, I got to a spot where um, it was, uh, I mean, you can only go so far with it, especially with Carl. I mean, he, plus his heart, he was, uh, he, he was in his own world and his own uh, Air Force space, you know, and so. But and John was just cordial all the time, and but he they all they they were players first, and not you, you didn't hang out with them. That just wasn't part of the deal. So right, it was. Uh, but then again, I had really great relationship with Mark Eaton, and then Thurl and stuff, and that worked out really well. And and then uh, it's funny when uh, uh, the Heat came, was the Heat. Is that I think it was the Heat. John Crowdy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John Crowdy is on TV for the heat. Yeah. Goes out of his way to say hi to me once he knew it was me because he hey, hey, you know, it was it was pretty cool. And he's he's done very, very well. Uh, I guess he's he's doing he was doing Southern Florida real estate. I'm curious I don't God only knows what he's doing right at the moment, but right. anyway, he he was uh he was pretty good on camera. I could uh, I could listen to some of his stuff, but he was uh, very cordial. But you know, relationship with players are I mean, Darren Williams came in one time uh, about a month and a half ago and said hi and, uh, you know, said hi to the table and stuff. But you just don't want to go too far with them. It's just that they're, they're, they're besieged with people. I mean, I can't imagine hanging out with Donovan. That would be ridiculous because you'd never get a word in edgewise and there wouldn't be uh, a chance that you could do anything but wait for the kids to get their autographs or he gets his away or whatever. But, you know, you just, I just learned it was just not, it just wasn't worth it to get close to players unless they, I mean, you know. Unless they reached out to you. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. If they reached out, then, then definitely that, that's what Thurl and and Mark did both. And Brian Russell was, uh, did the same thing too. And it was his heart. And so it was, uh, it, 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 you just be careful with it. I never, I never really wanted to, the egos that they have are insurmountable in terms of the comparison between mine and theirs. Sure. So as a consequence, you put yourself in the spot where there is no need to compare. You, you scream and yell, you've got that for them. Sometimes they'll thank you. And then other times they can give a shit less, but there you go. That's, that's, I just figured just leave it alone. Don't mess with them. Yeah. Uh, now, you had a great relationship with uh, Jerry Sloan and Phil Johnson and frankly, yeah. all coaches and Nasaki. Yeah. Right. Yep. I did. Um, again, nice people, um, got to get in the background with them every now and then a couple of times and made, you know, some very strange appearances that they were invited to and, uh, had a chance to, you know, just to talk and stuff. And it was just, uh, it just, again, you, it, you, 
you just don't stretch it. You you stay where you are and make sure that you know that you, that you like them and you uh, you don't idolize them, but you respect them and how good they are and that they're legends, basically. I mean, Hots was a similar, but I was pretty close to Hots. I yeah, with Hot Rod. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. He was, a, he, was uh, he was pretty. He was a lot of fun. And and also broadcasters. I mean, it, it, it's almost oh, yeah. like a, a brotherhood in a way. TV guys yeah. and radio guys. TV guys. I've got lots and lots of friends on TV. I mean, Chick Hearn was always said hello to me when he was uh, with the Lakers and, and alive and stuff. And uh, the guy that does uh, Suns, I can't. Uh, um, uh, Al, Al, no, it isn't Al McCoy, is and, it? I'm, yeah, I think you're right. Right. And I got I made friends with all the uh, um, brothers uh, with the Alberts, uh, the Alberts, yeah, uh, with, uh, Marv and Tom and Steve, and uh, um, it, again, that to me the TV guys are more fun to, to mess with. They're they're you, you can give them a little bit more crap, but you know they're still you, you still got to respect the fact that they're on camera. You got to you know you got to watch your step with them. But I have a lot of good friends in TV that that would stop by. I mean. That's you know when we had our anniversary of the of the game last year, the '79 game with uh, Burton Magic. Uh, we were playing the Lakers and uh, we were on uh, ESPN and uh, the guy that does the uh, Knicks, very nice guy, Mike Breen, yeah, super nice guy, very cordial and very very complimentary. I went over and said I didn't want to bore him with my history, but this is the anniversary and then he just went apeshit. They did a, that's when they did the thing. That was yeah. That's the, they did the thing on me a little bit and then uh um well, the Lakers it, did too. Uh, Mike, the Lakers did too. Mike Breen and Doris Burke were doing that game, both of whom we wanna have on our podcast someday. Uh it'd be great to talk with them and, and uh the Lakers did as well, you know, Stu Lance really well. Um oh, yeah. you know and, and all uh future guests we hope to have and um, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun to vicariously live through you that way to sometimes meet those people. Sometimes, you know, I'd always hear about them. Um, but you know, most importantly, dad, I, I, I love you. I love, you know, this, uh, relationship that we have, that we get to talk about this all the time. And, uh, the, the few times I have filled in for you have been fun. Never thought that I could, uh, do it as well as you, but I certainly always wanted to honor you when I, when I got a chance to fill in and it's, uh, Dude, you could imitate me better than anybody that ever lived. <laughs> well, I hope that so. Was, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Well, that was, uh, that was how I bragged about you. Well, it's uh, very mutual and, uh, very much looking forward to restarting this podcast with you and having a lot of fun with it. It's, uh, you bet being able to, look forward to that too, but yeah, being able to use, uh, this incredible medium and, and, uh, do that with you will be a lot of fun we'll have a good time with it. And, uh, we hope that all of you listening have a great time with it as well. Well, our social distancing is about two miles now, so right. I think we're doing pretty well with that. <laughs> I think we're hanging in so, there. All yeah, right. we are. Well, love, we'll you, buddy. love you too, and uh, um, get some rest. We'll uh, talk okay. to you again soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good to hear you back. All right. Good to, see, good to be back. Have a good night, everyone. That one was good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.